Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler, as always, from the Draft Network. Before we get into today's jam-packed episode following Washington's Week 2 loss to the Detroit Lions, this episode is brought to you by our friends at BetOnline, who continue to be the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including odds on Major League Baseball, the upcoming NBA and NHL seasons, eSports, golf, and of course, all your betting needs for college football and the NFL. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting to prop bets and futures bets. So, head on over to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Just use our promo code, BELIEVE50, it's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's jump in to today's episode. Uh, a day where was much different feeling than last week. Uh, a Monday that is, you know, Washington is now to one and one, and it's not a victory Monday. It is a Monday to kind of sit back and get a wide lens on what we have with this Washington football team after the Detroit Lions took the Commanders behind the barn and whooped them around. That's really what happened yesterday in Detroit. You look at the score, and you know, thirty-six twenty-seven is. Looks decent when you, if you're just checking out the box score at the end of the game. But you look at that first half, ugly. Ugly football, down 22 nothing at the half. All that tells me is that they're not ready to play. Not ready to show up. So many different things that we will get into today, especially from that first half. Obviously, you look at the second half, and of course, we're going to try to stay with the positives here moving forward because it is only week two. But Washington now has... They're heading to week three where they host the Philadelphia Eagles and a team potentially who faces off with the Minnesota Vikings tonight on Monday Night Football where they could be coming in at 2-0. Giants won yesterday. They're 2-0. Dallas beat Cincinnati Bengals. They're 1-1. The Eagles could be 2-0. And this could be a massive game as we head in to this Sunday in week three. But let's start in that first half and an offensive line that was disgusting. I don't know. If it, and this is something that is not a something that we've talked about for a while as far as a weekly trend. This is a common thing, a commonality for Washington. The offensive line is usually good. And for me, someone that always talks about John Matsko, the offensive line coach, they got their butts whooped up front yesterday. Aiden Hutchinson, we knew he was going to be back and ready to prove himself after a down week one against the Eagles. Had three sacks in the first half. Just completely dominated. Doesn't matter Charles Leno, Sam Cosme. Doesn't matter if he's running some tackle guard stunts to work him into the interior. The Lions did a very good job with defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn to get him in positions to succeed. And Sam Cosme especially had a long day yesterday dealing with the number two overall pick in Aiden Hutchinson. So that was his coming out party, which usually people have in the past. We see people always have coming out parties against Washington, whether it's a a UDFA sleeper or someone that they've wanted to break out for a long time. And Detroit had guys along their front five in the offensive line yesterday that barely ever played in the NFL. Frank Ragnow, who I talked about during the pod during the week, previewing Detroit was one of the best centers in football, wasn't even playing. 
You know, the guys like Dan Skipper along their offensive line have been a practice squad guy five, six years, and then he starts and looks like he's Zach Martin or Quentin Nelson within the interior. You know, they have to get after the quarterback. But the trenches yesterday was where the game was won and lost, specifically more so on the front five. Washington couldn't run the ball. They allowed a safety in that first half. It, it was just ugly on all accounts. And even looking at that safety, all right, you allow safety, whatever, crap happens. Then you punt from the 25, and you allow Khalif Raymond to basically almost return it back to the house. It, it just can't happen. Those are the little things, the special teams things. And you look at Christian Holmes, seventh-round rookie at Oklahoma State, a punt in the first half. Tressway lands it right within the side, inside the five-yard line. Christian Holmes runs down like he's never covered a punt before. Hits off his body, goes in the end zone. And those things happen all across the league. I'm not sure why. It's very simple. Get your body out of the way. See it rolling towards you. Get it out of the way. Unless someone else behind you that's coming out at a slower speed, just touch it down inside the five. Hits it off his body, goes in the end zone, they get the ball at the 25 instead of starting within their own five. Those are the little things. That's 20 yards right there. You have to execute the little things. I talked about it weeks ago in the preseason when Joey Sly was making extra points. Well, some of that stuff came into this week. Down 29-21 later in the second half. Ron Rivera decides to go for two. Why? Not sure. Still don't know why. Then you score later in the game. Joey Sly misses an extra point. Washington wants to be a playoff team. They want to win the NFC East. They want to do all these big things to reach the performance ceiling. Missing extra points, not being able to cover punts, allowing safeties, three sacks to a rookie. It, they're never going to reach the performance ceiling if that kind of crap happens. It just won't happen. I don't know if it's from an, an effort thing as far as just is Ron Rivera not getting them ready to go? Is is it a defensive thing where, I mean, even defensively, we, it was just nasty yesterday. It was just a lot of bad, a lot of bad. And this is one of those games where you're a coach and you go in, you see the tape, you just throw it away. It was ugly. Um, I'm going to get in again, like I said, with the offense. There were positives on the offensive side of the ball. Jahan Dotson looked good again. Terry McLaurin didn't get involved again until the second half, which I have questions about. There's no reason for number 17 to wait until getting involved into the second half. There's no excuse for that. They don't have Rondé Barber on the outside or Deion Sanders covering him. It's Jeff Okuda. Jeff Okuda doesn't scare anybody. Decent talent, but Terry McLaurin is your guy. Feed him. Doesn't have to wait until the third quarter for number 17 to get involved in the game plan. It's got to get involved sooner. The same thing happened last week. But I like what I saw from Logan Thomas. Tip of the cap to Curtis Samuel again looked good. But the run game was not good. The front five had absolutely zero push. Zero push. You look at the numbers here. Antonio Gibson didn't have any room to maneuver. Every time they ran the ball, seemingly was in shotgun. Whether it was in a little RPO look, read option, whether it was just a straight up draw to the two, four holes, one hole, three hole. It didn't matter. Detroit was everywhere clogging up gaps, stacking and shedding Washington's interior. Charles Leno looked slow at left tackle. Trey Turner looked like a bowling ball and in the worst way possible, right? He just was just standing there, not moving, no push forward from what we saw in week one when Wes Schweitzer was on the field. I mean, Tony Gibson, 14 attempts, 28 yards. That is two yards a pop. That won't work. Carson Wentz had a couple scramble drills, 23 yards on the ground. But overall, just a nasty day. J.D. McKissick was 
really uninvolved again in the rushing game. I like to see him get a little more carries because of that burst that he has, a little bit of change of pace that we always talk about. Three carries, nine yards, nothing to write home about, three yards a carry. Um, Antonio had a touchdown, but you know that, that came later in the game uh, on, a, on a goal line drive, like a goal line finish. He's a bigger body, should be able to finish along the goal line, and he did. I think Antonio's been fine in these first two games, but there's just a ton of things to work on and really want to focus on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I don't know where to go defensively. Um, Monroe St. Brown said it in a post-game uh, quote that Washington, they saw in film, that William Jackson, St. Juice, and Fuller had a very tough time dealing with bunch sets. They saw it in the preseason. They saw it against Jacksonville on tape. That's why Detroit ran. You saw a lot of those bunches, whether it was Ramondre St. Brown with Josh Reynolds, Ramondre St. Brown with TJ Hawkinson. They ran bunch sets a bunch. And the biggest thing about that is you have to communicate on the back end when guys are in those bunch sets. Guys are breaking in, guys are breaking out, switching off, similar to how how in basketball when you defend, you have to switch off on picks, different things like that. Washington didn't do that at all. We saw that big first half completion to Amon St. Brown down the sideline, which ultimately led a couple drives later to that touchdown. They fed him early and often. That was a guy that I highlighted in the podcast as far as it's going to give Washington troubles. This secondary has major question marks. I think this offense is going to be able to keep Washington in games, but this defense has massive issues. I mean, we saw Jamin Davis. He had a sack in the first half. Carried DeAndre Swift towards the end zone. Jared Goff tried to target him on touchdown. Jamie Davis did a good job there. Overall, I thought he played better. Overall, had four tackles. Was running, you know, hash to hash. I thought he did a little bit better in that aspect. I liked what I saw again from Derek Forrest. He's everywhere. He's more of a culture guy on that back end. He flies around. Plays with violence behind his pads, which I like a lot. But conceptually, nothing changes week to week for Washington. I mean, Detroit just put 30-plus in the Eagles last week. Now they come here and put 30-plus on Washington's defense. This game could have gotten out of hand extremely early if it wasn't for the play of Washington's offense and the play of McLaurin and Dotson and Thomas and Samuel in that second half, bringing them back. Carson Wentz ended up again, three touchdowns, 335 yards. That's a positive to move forward. But... Defensively, they have a ton of question marks. I don't know where to answer. I, I don't know how to answer. It's your personnel. Apparently, you got what you got and you like it, but third and 15, DeAndre Swift falls in his behind and scores a touchdown? That can't happen at the lowest levels of football. Granted, the NFL and a team where you're expected to have a defense again this year, here we are again, sitting here saying Washington's going to have a top 10 defense. Absolutely not. They're going to play like this all year. They're going to have a bottom five defense and a top five pick. Write that down. Mark that down. Washington's defense continues to play play like this. It doesn't matter what the offense does. They will have a bottom five defense and a top five pick next year. The defense has got to get better schematically as far as evolving and adjusting to what offenses are doing. By no means is the Detroit Lions an offensive juggernaut. They're not. Maybe in the two weeks they are. They're scoring 35-plus points a game right now. Top five in the league. But from what I saw defensively, schematically, what people are doing on the back end from an effort perspective is just not there. David Mayo working on third and two over TJ Hawkinson in the second half. What are we doing? 
David Mayo is not an NFL linebacker, especially working in space. It was just, what are we doing here? You have to put your players in the best position to win every single week. I'm not expecting them to hold teams under 10 points every week. I'm absolutely not. But placing David Mayo <laughs> over TJ Hawkinson, one of the more athletic, young, sure-handed tight ends in football, on a high leverage down, third and two, to where I know you're probably bolstering in the run game. Got to prepare for a guy like Swift. Got to prepare for a guy like Jamal Williams, who's got some beef, and he could push the pile a little bit. But you drafted Jamin Davis for a reason. You drafted Cole Holcomb for a reason. You drafted guys like Derek Forrest for a reason. Heck, you drafted a guy like Benjamin St. Juice if you want to ask him to work over a tight end. He's in the nickel yesterday. I get it. Monter St. Brown was usually there. But this is where it comes to things schematically. You know Jared Goff likes a tight end. Target tight end TJ Hawkinson over the middle of the field on short third, third and short. That's what he likes to do. That's what a lot of quarterbacks like to do. Had Carson Wentz like to do with Logan Thomas and John Bates yesterday. Did it in his past. But there's no reason to have David Mayo over TJ Hawkinson on third and two in a situation in the second half where you need the ball back and you're trying to get into the game. Which leads me to my next point. 29-21. Washington is down and Ron Rivera goes for two. I don't know. I don't know. From the defense with Del Rio... The decision making by Ron Rivera, I get it. You all out there like the Riverboat Ron nickname. He's a culture guy. He's a, an older coach where the difference is from Jay Gruden when Deshaun Jackson's messing with him in practice. He's a player's coach. Ron Rivera obviously has the respect of that locker room. Washington brass up in the expensive seats in the owner's boxes. He's got the respect of all those individuals. But... One thing's for sure is I hate every time the camera pans to Ron Rivera and he's standing there with his arms folded. There hasn't been a game this year or last year or the year before when he's not standing, whether he's clapping, pumping up people, giving guys some high fives, giving some energy on the sideline. It's the little things for me, and maybe I'm nitpicking here, but standing there with your arms folded when you're down 22 nothing shows me absolutely no confidence and your football team, and yourself, and your coaches of what you're wanting to run offensively and defensively to put your team in a position to win. It just doesn't to me. I want to see some more fire and energy. We see it all around the league with these younger coaches, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur, Kevin O'Connell. Heck, we see it down in Tampa Bay, an older head coach in Todd Bowles. High energy guys. Dan Campbell, for example, with the Lions. We know what he is, what he offers. Guys want to get fired up by the leader all the way down. Ron Rivera is the leader of this team. And if I'm down 22 nothing and I'm on defense and just got shredded for 75-yard pass play, I look over to the sideline and I see my head coach standing there with his arm folded. He's going to be upset, of course. But all the time, I just look over there and see his arms folded. I, I, from a player's perspective, that shows me no confidence in, my, in me and the guys that I have around me. And it's a constant thing. And now, granted, everyone's going to nitpick when you lose. Washington is 1-1. One one. Again, this is week two. But we have to focus on the negatives. What to improve upon. The positives. What to like moving into week three in a massive NFC East matchup against the Philadelphia Eagles. But from a little things perspective, special teams, missing field goals, allowing punts to roll into the end zone. So many things that Washington just did not do right yesterday that we have to focus on to move forward 
But especially defensively, history is a sign, usually is, nothing's going to change schematically. Soft zones on third and long, not being physical at the line of scrimmage on first and ten, second and long. Montez Sweat is still not giving me what I want to see on the edge. He's always just a split second away. I get it. Not everything sacks. Not everything is quarterback hits. Everything's about pressure rate. I get it. He was in there a few times yesterday, but you didn't draft him in the first round. And potentially going to have to pay the guy a hefty amount of money if you want to keep him in D.C. But he hasn't been that guy yet for me. For me, no. I'm the biggest proponent. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you went to school, where you were drafted, your last name on your jersey. If you could produce, you produce. You're going to be on my football team. We saw Casey Tuhill go out yesterday with concussion, out for the rest of the game that second half. Guy that they have as a depth guy behind guys like Montez Sweat. But for me, number 90, it's got to get it going on the edge. Got to get guys that produce, guys that play ball at that second level, third level, and obviously within the trenches. Drawn Payne, I thought, did a decent job yesterday. He's always fired up from the get-go. John Allen, I was hampered by an injury later in the week that popped up on the injury report. But we know what we're getting to get from John Allen. But on the edge, first-round pick Montez Sweat. First-rounder. He's got to do more for me. Has got to produce. Two tackles, no sacks, a couple pressures here and there. But again, he's always that guy that's a split second away. But at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. you got to get after the quarterback. It's what you're here for. It's what they spend a first-round pick for you for. You're a freak athlete. Sure, get after the quarterback. So from there, I do want to focus on some positives, and that is the receiving core. I think this offense is going to be able to keep Washington in games if they continue their lapses on defense. Um, Carson Wentz, again, was outstanding. His second game uh, working with Scott Turner. I thought Scott Turner did a, uh, a good job, especially moving into that second half, getting every single body involved. You saw that uh, 95-yard drive later in the game when Logan ended in Logan Thomas' 20-yard pass from Carson Wentz. Everybody got involved in that drive. Every single name you could think of in the offense, they got involved in that drive. Um, Look at the numbers here, and Curtis Samuel, seven targets, 78 yards. McLaurin, excuse me, seven catches, Curtis Samuel, 78 yards. Terry McLaurin, four catches, 75 yards. Jahan Dotson, five targets, four catches, 59 yards. And another touchdown. And I, I've just been extremely impressed with number one in Jahan Dotson. We'll get to McLaurin and, and Samuel in a minute, but his ability to separate that goal line touchdown, very similar from the week one, basically the same exact thing in the slot, creating separation over the pressed man corner and just ability to go up over anybody and a my ball mentality and alpha at the catch point. Jahan Dotson has been extremely impressive in his first two games and someone to build upon uh, as we move forward into the season. He becomes more comfortable. The game continues to slow down. And then Curtis Samuel, I'm so glad he's healthy. Uh, we talked about it all year last year as far as the dynamic ability that he can offer. And then he really is that chess piece within the offense. Um, I hope next week that Washington can get going earlier than they did trying to chase the game down 22 nothing in that second half against Detroit, against Philadelphia. They're going to have to get going. I think Philadelphia is going to be able to score, but we'll get more into that in a Philadelphia preview in the middle part of this week. But Curtis Samuel, it doesn't matter where he's aligned. Um, nine targets. He was someone that is heavily featured in this game plan. This is two straight weeks of, of 
him being featured. He's it's something probably a trend to forward and keep an eye on moving forward for all you fantasy guys out there. I'm sure some of you have picked up Curtis Samuel or drafted Curtis Samuel because of the target share that he now has in this offense, and he will have moving forward. Um, Terry McLaurin, eight targets, all in the second half, four catches, 75 yards. You know what you're going to get from number 17. He has got to be featured earlier in the game plan. You have to get involved. I don't care if it's like some some bubble screens to Curtis Samuel. You saw it a little bit in that second half, getting Terry involved on those tunnels, on those bubbles, smokes, whatever you want to call them on the outside. His ability to use his speed. He almost broke away from Jeff Okuda on that one screen later in that second half. He's dynamic when the ball in his hands. He doesn't need to run 40-yard nine routes to just to get his numbers. You can get him to the ball behind or, or at the line of scrimmage and ask him to create like Curtis does. And he can do that. He proved that yesterday. Um, eight targets is a hefty amount of targets. I would like to see probably six or seven or maybe you know have haul in all those targets for eight catches on eight targets. Um, you know, I can't wish for him to be perfect, but Terry McLaurin is, is a darn good receiver. We know what we can get from him. And I would like to see him heavily featured in the game plan early in week one, excuse me, early in the game plan in week three as we move into the Philadelphia Eagles. And again, I expect this offensive trio of weapons. It was good to see Logan Thomas yesterday catch his first touchdown, um, in that ball game in that second half. So a lot of guys got involved yesterday. Even John Bates, two catches for 15 yards. Dax Millen had a catch later in that second half. I still have yet to see anything from Cam Sims. He had two targets, um, but I want to see him more so not just a red zone get up and get up and get it guy like how Washington used to use jo- uh, excuse me Josh Dotson, not John Dotson, Josh Dotson back in the day as that fade guy in the end zone, the old Jay Gruden fade. I would like to see Cam Sims get some more targets within the twenties as a big target, and even give a little bit of a break to McLaurin, Dotson, and Samuel moving forward, but a massive positive is this Washington offense. They will get the ground game going. I'm plenty confident that the offensive line will be better. They were better in the second half than they were in the first half, but the whole entire game, they did not have a push in the run, which really allowed Detroit to sit back and and drop seven. And Washington and Carson Wentz, the credit to him, was able to sit back and pick apart that Lions defense. He's been outstanding in the two games, and this is early in the process for him learning the offense, and all signs have showed Carson Wentz Look damn good in these first two weeks under center. Now, they threw a pick again on Sunday. He's got three picks in two games. That's something that he wants probably to improve upon. But the numbers are there. He's keeping them in ball games. He's pushing the ball down the field. And I know the biggest thing, too, when you think about coming back in ball games, is defenses are running those cover sixes. They're running that prevent defense, forcing everything underneath. And you don't want to be that box score scout and look at it and say, oh, he totaled 337 yards and he totaled you know, 250 of those on Lions defense that wasn't actually playing up near the line of scrimmage or doing anything exotic defensively. But no, he was pushing the ball down the field and his receivers are making plays for him. And I'm excited for Carson Wentz in this offense, as you guys should be moving forward because this is week two. Now we're into week three. Again, I will have a preview for you guys out, full preview of the Philadelphia Eagles on Thursday afternoon. This is going to wrap it up for today's podcast. A much different attitude on today's podcast than obviously we had last week coming off of a week one win. But we're one and one. Big game heading a week three. Home against the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz's first game against his old team. Lots of new f- familiar faces that he will see on the sideline there. And an exciting game for all you guys 
out there to really see where this Washington team is. They go in and get blown out against the Eagles, we got issues. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think they will stay competitive and compete and have a very good chance of winning that football game. But again, that's going to do it for today's podcast. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. Always appreciate your commentary on there. On Twitter, or excuse me, on thedraftnetwork.com, all my written work is housed over there. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Again, always appreciate you guys tuning in. I'll talk to you later in the week. I am Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.